Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Toyota Brookhaven services all makes and models. That could be why we were voted best service department the past two years. Come see why. Exit 40 Brookhaven or online at toyotabrookhaven.com. Great service, great savings. At Toyota Brookhaven, we deliver. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. I hope you're having a great day. Welcome to the Coast View. This is a show that celebrates the men and women who are making coastal Mississippi a great place to live, work, and play. And today we're having a Coast View session with my friend Billy Hughes, the mayor of the city of Gulfport. Good morning, Billy. Good morning, Ricky. It's great to have you here, man. Thank you for joining me. You know, this show really has enabled me to, to really get to know the people behind the, the public face. And we've known each other for a long time. Sure. But as I was saying to you before, the, before we got together, uh, before we started the show, I don't know that I ever understood the essence of you at, at, like I do now, now that I've had this opportunity to really focus on you. And what I see, uh, I'm super impressed with. I remember, actually, that when I called on your dad um, back in the days, early in my career at the Sun-Herald, um, you know, you'd be in the office, and you were just a young guy. I guess you were at Southern Miss at the time. Is that yeah, right? That's right. Your dad is one of the finest men I have ever met. I would agree. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was always so supportive and and so helpful to me. Um, you know, I've watched your public life. You've done uh, some amazing things. Um, and one of the things that I have came come to understand as a result of this show is that we're moving too fast in our lives. We don't focus enough on the people that we come in contact with and try to try to understand the essence of who they are. This show has really given me that opportunity. Um, I wish we could kind of shake people and say, slow down, slow down, and take, take just a few minutes to better understand the people who are around you. I know it's usually not intentional. I mean, people are just busy. But when you think about just the people they come in contact with and not maybe understanding the essence of who they are, it's also true about the community. You know, they don't have time to really understand what's going on in the community. Has that been your experience? I think that applies to all of us. Yeah. We get to going too fast. Life gets in the way. Uh, we don't stop and smell the roses. And so, um, you know, we miss opportunities to develop relationships as we should. Yeah, I agree. And this is what this show has meant for me. Over the past, like, going on seven weeks, I've had the chance to reflect on some amazing leaders in this community. A lot of them I knew, but I, I really did not know as well as I do now. You know, I have, was uh, I've been retired for three years, so it gave me a chance to like take a deep breath and and you know kind of clear my mind. I had this opportunity to launch Coastview, and I'm personally learning something new every single day. I'm I'm hoping that the kind of people that we're interviewing, like you, the, the conversations that you and I will have, will inspire some people. Maybe you know create some eye-opening moments for some of the listeners, people who are watching on Facebook or YouTube, about what it takes. Maybe they'll gain a deeper appreciation for what it takes to build a strong region. And I also hope that they're reminded that we live in one of the most special places on earth. You know, George Slogo, our friend, said we live in paradise. Don't we, Billy? Without a doubt. You know, and, and the, the folks you've had on this show uh, from, the, from the outset have really demonstrated a very keen understanding of the larger picture and what our role is, but more importantly, what we can be. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's so important. This week is a great example. We had Wayne Rodolfich on Monday, the superintendent of Pascal um, Gauthier Schools. Yesterday, 
I had Dr. Mary Graham from Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College, and we had both of us, both in both conversations, we had these dynamic conversations about the future of education, the work that they're doing today. Uh, they talked, by, by the way, glowingly about Glenn East. I look forward to having him on the superintendent of schools for Gulfport. He's a superstar. And she said, she said that. She said that, that, uh, that Glenn and, and Wayne are, in fact, superstars, and that the work that they're doing is creative, it's risk-taking, it's focused on the, on the children to make a difference in their lives. And, you know, when we've got pe- people like Mary and, and Wayne and Glenn working for the betterment of education across this state, we can't help but improve education. Well, they're innovators, and uh, they're not afraid to take risks on behalf of the kids and, uh, and really the institution of education. I think the coast has benefited from their example. But uh, Glenn, in particular, from my experience, he has challenged some things. And he knew that the first year he went to the academy program and, and partnering with Mary in the Gulf Coast Community College, that kids, once they graduate, they have the potential to not only have a high school diploma, but a community college diploma on the same day and really putting people on career paths, because not everybody's going to college, but we've got to have a path for them. Um, Delbert Hoseman, when he was Secretary of State and now Lieutenant Governor, holds Gulfport High out as the model for all schools in Mississippi because Glenn took a chance. He knew in the first year when he tired this pilot that the scores were going to suffer, and they did. But you look at it five, six years later, and he's having remarkable success because he took a chance, he had a vision, and he knew where he could make a difference. The scholarships alone are a good testament. And the, yeah. way, the, way I, the way I said it to Mary is that these kids leave that program, Collegiate Academy, with a jetpack on their back, ready to tackle their, their careers sure. and their lives. It's an amazing thing. But that's just an example. That's just two days. The, the kind of incredible transformational information that comes out of these conversations, it's, it's been very inspiring to me. I've described you as a man with many hats. You, um, you're a musician. You're a songwriter. I know that's a real passion of yours. You're, you're, you've had a long career in real estate and insurance. You're, uh, you were 20 years in the legislature. You literally served on every major important committee there is in the Senate. You worked your way up to President Pro Tem. You actually had the gavel in your hand a lot of times, probably more times than you can remember. Uh, you ran for Lieutenant Governor, Billy. And what I see so important about that is, particularly as it relates to the coast, is in your travels across the state, you were able to really get a perspective about how the coast fits into the rest of the state. I mean, that's such a powerful learning. Um, and ultimately, you've had this great opportunity to, to gain a perspective. And now, of course, you're, you're in your second term as mayor of Gulfport. What a great opportunity that's been for you. And you're now serving as the president of the Mississippi Municipal League. And when you have time, and I don't know when that is, you're active in the community in very significant ways. And I also should add that you have a, a, a partner in Paula who is the ultimate partner. And your kids have all done so extraordinarily well. Congratulations, man. Yes, you, uh, I'm just very blessed and, and lucky in a lot of respects. You know, the Municipal League clearly isn't real picky about their leadership. And fortunately, Paula wasn't too picky either way back when. But uh, we had known each other for, for a long time. But she grounds me every day. And uh, I'm just so grateful to have her in my life because she has been probably uh, the most profound influence and supporter of some of the things that I wanted to do. And it would not have been possible without her and, uh, you know, making sure those kids come up right. Yeah, I uh, feel the same way about Ann. I mean, she's been that that kind of that rock for me in in all of my endeavors in yeah. my life. Um, you know, the sum total of your experiences um, puts you in a position where you deeply understand what it takes to succeed as a city, what it takes to succeed as a as a region, and with that comes a special burden 
a leadership burden? We're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. But you have found, I'm sure, in your, in your efforts, and this is something that leaders have to learn, that the wheels of change can turn pretty slowly, that there are cave people. These are people who, citizens against virtually everything around every corner. So democracy at times can be pretty messy, can it? It can. You know, democracy was uh, heard defined as the worst form of government except for all the others. <laughs> and, you know, the success component is something that is, you know, what it takes to be successful today may not be tomorrow. So you've got to keep your eye on the ball and be flexible and responsive. But I found that the most important thing is to bring people along with you as you go along and keep that in perspective. You know, Reagan kept a statement on his desk. He said, there's no end to what you can accomplish if you don't mind who gets the credit. Right. And that is so key. And some of us who are drivers are so focused and move too fast, sometimes lose sight of that. So you got to do a check every once in a while. I've spent a lot of time as a publisher trying to understand <clears throat> what it takes to build a great, you know, community, you know, set of communities here in coastal Mississippi. And I think Katrina obviously put, the, put that on, on steroids. And I found myself at times being very impatient. And I was impatient about a lot of things. You know, we weren't moving fast enough. Maybe there weren't enough engaged leaders that were, you know, thinking about the possibilities. Um, but what, what I think the thing I grew most impatient about is that at times, in certain pockets, important pockets actually, there tended to be a very heavy gravity toward the status quo. Do you find that as well? I do in some. You know, I, I've always believed that if you're going to serve in any public capacity, whether it's volunteer or whatnot, you know, staying below the radar is not what you've been charged to do, particularly if you're elected to represent and have, carry the people's voice. And sometimes you have to take risks and step out there and take stands that may not be popular, but they're right, or you hope they're right. Um, you mentioned the wheels of government being slow. You know, I've always described it as a giant ship with a tiny rudder, <laughs> and you can, you can hog on that wheel all you want. It's only going to turn so fast um, because there is entrenchment. Uh, there are people who are like things the way they are, but for us to lead on the coast, uh, not just Gulfport, but the entire coast, it's going to take some innovative thinking, some discomfort at some point. Um, but I will tell you, I've been very fortunate to work with some really good people. And it, as the public is frustrated with the pace of government, rightfully so, those of us who have the good fortune to even serve in some capacity are frustrated as well because mm. there are so many legal things you got to go through, and you know there, there's there's laws in place for a reason. But, Lord, they, they contend to tie up progress. Well, Billy, you've positioned yourself against the gravity. When you, when you consider your deep legislative experience, your, business lead, your, your experience as a business leader, your experience as a legislator, le legislator your experience as a community leader, your experience as a mayor, um, there's deep appreciation, uh, even a heavy burden on your shoulders for all the things that you've learned. And, uh, and I know that you're really true to the journey. I know that you see and are humbled by the fact that all these experiences have positioned you in a place where you can make a difference. I mean, you can really make a difference in what you're doing. When we come back from the break, we're going to start the conversation uh, about how that, how that difference is ultimately made. I look forward to continuing my conversation with Mayor Billy Hughes after this break. Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say Alexa. Open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. 
This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I've got Mayor Billy Hughes here with us today, and we're, we're having a conversation about how the sum total of his experiences as a legislature, a businessman, a community leader, as the mayor, as someone who d- cares deeply about this community, not just Gulfport, but the whole coast. Um, the burden that he feels that the more he learns about all of this, the more I, I'm, I'm assuming ultimately the more excited he is. But here's the kicker, Billy. If we don't focus on the enormous potential of the Mississippi Gulf Coast, if we don't, you know deep in your soul that there are communities all over America right now that are, transform- that are transformative in their leadership. They're aligned. They have a shared vision. They're monomaniacs on a mission, a mission to realize that vision. And they have a focus on where the economy's headed, the new economy of the future. And if we're not smart, if we're not focused on potential, then they're going to eat our lunch. And we've got to. Um, we've got everything it takes to succeed, don't we? We really do. And um, we've got to be careful not to let the stigmatization of Mississippi impact us because we're competing. And we're not competing against one another. We're competing against regions. And folks who want to get the same federal dollars we got, the same businesses we have. And I'll tell you, um, one thing I found, which is delightful, people come here for the first time and they say, I had no idea how wonderful the cuisine is, the year-round climate, the outdoor amenities, the food, uh, the quality of living, and the cost of living. Mm-hmm. It's really remarkable. Um, Governor Fordyce, when I came into office back in 92, it, one of his mantras was, only positive Mississippi spoken here. And it was important to understand that, you know, uh, words have weight. And what we say, particularly as leaders, is conveyed out. So if you're negative, you know, it's going to probably be a negative outcome and people are going to take it. But if you keep it positive uh, and, and, you know, talk straight with people, folks can handle the truth. But the fact of the matter is we got it going on. We have everything in place. John Harrison um, saw that uh, uh, almost a decade ago when he saw the need to consolidate and bring together our three coastal counties to uh with the with the with the tourism to make sure we're maximizing our efforts and having milton cigar at the helm is really remarkable too because yeah. he has a worldview and understands where we fit and where our potential is which is uh just really on the launch pad we haven't even tapped it yet but there's a lot of opportunity what we have to make sure we don't get lost in is parochial attitudes one of the lessons that i learned being in jackson as long as i did is is a lot of folks in the state don't understand us we know we're different our, our metrics are actually much better. We're the you know second largest economic driver for the state, just in three counties. And if you take the six counties, it's even more more substantial. So there is a there's something special about South Mississippi for sure. Um, and just because folks don't understand it, it's our job to make sure that we're educating them. We're explaining it. We're we probably have to over-explain to let people understand where where we are. But traveling the state, even with the lieutenant governor race. We may not have won the race, but it was a win overall. It was probably one of the best things that never happened to me because it gave me an opportunity to come back and serve again at the local level and have some sort of impact. But what I've learned and what we we kind of have always known is that there's a bit of a prejudice. And, uh, you know, working with Senator Gallat uh, and, and our delegation, Sean Tyndall, now Joe, Joe Carter, um, uh, Richard Bennett, there are a lot. We have a really good coastal delegation that are making an impact. But 30 years ago, all the power was in the northern part of the state. And we, we realized, and you were part of this, that if you guys are going to come down statewide and ask for our support, lieutenant governor, governor, secretary of state, all this, 
then we want to have a seat at the table. And up to this point, we have not. That has to change. And because we were a squeaky wheel, that did start to change. And then we started to see things. But for the longest time, and you've observed this too, that they let us fight amongst ourselves and we never had a unified voice. And it was important to understand that people view us, whether it's at the Capitol or nationally, they view us as a region, not as a, in any particular community. But that's what makes us rich. Our communities are a little different. And we need to celebrate that instead of divide over it. So we've made a lot of progress. And, you know, as you said, the, the way I said it was that, that you have, you know, we fought amongst ourselves. Not only did they not have to pay attention to it, but we just nullified each other's voices. Yeah. And for, you know, what, what it, the, we're a collection of amazing communities that make this a special place. It's the diversity that exists in each of those communities, which is what makes us so That's special. That's exactly right. But we share so many common issues. Mm-hmm. So it's okay to have local plans and local cultures and locals you know whatever but when it comes to common issues it's important for us to have one voice say more about that well uh that kind of leads into a a one coast discussion and you know we've had structures where um try to bring uh, elected officials from across the coast together to try to unify but everybody has schedules nobody's looking for another meeting to go to right yeah and so uh the one coast is not something that was unique to me but having seen it from the from the statewide i figured we needed we needed one voice as you said but um as it started taking hold we said no formal structure either like it or you don't if you don't like it that's fine but yeah. if you do it's a mindset for our community it's not just for elected officials that we understand a rising tide lifts all boats now as mayor Gulfport. I want everything I can in Gulfport, but I'm not naive about it, uh, that people looking for certain characteristics, if they don't find it in Gulfport, I sure want them to find it next door or still in the region. Because if a business comes in or people come to visit and learn about us and enjoy us, that live, work, and play thing, yeah, yeah, um, they're going to spend time mm-hmm. in Gulfport. They're going to eat. They may buy a home in Gulfport and work in Biloxi and vice versa. So what benefits one community ultimately benefits us all. Judge Danny Geis, remember he was Mayor, Mayor oh, Biloxi yeah. when, uh, when uh, Camille hit. He came to me after, he said, that was the discussion point that we had after Camille bringing us together as a unified coast. Together we rebuild. That was the mantra then. And I still remember that and seeing those bumper stickers and things. Yeah. Uh, but it was, it was a challenge. But we he was pre- one of the only. <clears throat> he was only one of the leaders of his time that really understood that. Yeah, but, but he, he went out of his way to remark on that. Roland Weeks has said the same yeah. thing. He said, this is a message that we need to embrace, and it makes us better. It takes us to that next level. And going back to the earlier question about how are we competitive, there are these cities. Look at Charlotte. Look at Oklahoma City. Um, look at Nashville, Chattanooga. These folks have had a very refined vision. They knew what they wanted to be. They were forward thinking and looking. And as a result, folks are, are moving to those communities because, again, they're mostly southern. They're a good climate, our Midwest. And, uh, but the leaders took a chance. And sometimes it was a financial risk to do things, just like uh, you know, uh, the baseball stadium, the aquarium, those type of larger legacy amenities they add flavor, they add character to the coast, and they fill gaps in our tourism mix. The other thing, uh, you know, I had, had a fella come down from Department of Treasury yesterday to look at the, the aquarium, the parking garage down there, and just see where the federal money is going and how it's impacting. And he didn't have any idea that we had the population numbers that we were uh, enjoying, um, all the things we've already talked about that makes this place special. So part of it is uh, changing that. I had no idea moment to making those people ambassadors say you got to go check out the mississippi gulf coast billy another good example i spent some time in alabama it's huntsville i mean you know talking about a (coughs) a, a, a city that's got it together 
But these are the kind of communities we're, we're up against. And the new economy, that, and, and people need to understand this, the new economy is going to be based on whether you have the trained workforce in place. It's not, they're not like picking just a good climate and all those other things they used to. It, the trained workforce is really important. So you've got to have a great place to live, work, and play that competes on a national level in order to win. And let me say one other thing. As it relates to one coast, people and leaders, especially public sector leaders, need to hear this. That people may question the, incent, the intention of you introducing sort of the one coast thing, but you were just trying to put a marketing statement around that. Here, here's the important point. As publisher of the Sun-Herald, in my entire time at the Sun-Herald, I never wrote more editorials about any subject in my life. And I've had the benefit, as a result of preparing for this conversation, to read what you've written to the Municipal League and the kind of statements you're making to them. See, you're saying the same thing to them on the statewide level. You think that, and you believe it to, your, to the depth of your soul, that any, anyone, if anyone succeeds in the state, that it's going to lift the tide for all of us. And you believe it in your heart of hearts. So it's not about ego or taking credit or any of that stuff. It's about, I've been there. I understand what it's going to take for us to compete. Let's get all that stuff aside. Let's, now let's focus on the good intentions of all of us to help Coastal Mississippi realize its potential before we get our, our lunch eat. Is that fair? Yeah, nobody's going to carry your water for you. And what I've been talking through the Municipal League is who's telling your story? Because go back to words have weight. The, me- the manner in which we message and talk about our community, there's so many more positives than negatives. And in, t- in today's world of social media where there's, you know, these anonymous attacks and people just character assassination is the theme of the day. And it's something that really kind of drags people down. But there's so many positives to talk about across our state. And I really get aggravated with how we're stigmatized and, and the preconceived notions of people when I travel. I go about, so I feel the you know the burden of letting folks know that look, Mississippi can lead, Mississippi can make the difference, you know. And tell them just simple things like, do you know that all the music that we celebrate and enjoy today it originated in Mississippi? No, yes it did. <laughs> We're the birthplace of American music, and that's just a small thing. But the literary masters that all, that everybody goes to are folks like Eudora Welty, mm-hmm. you know, Tennessee Williams, yep. uh, you know, Faulkner. Faulkner, uh, and even in the modern era, Grisham. Yeah. So we've, we've got such passion and talent and depth from a, from a character standpoint. It's a really wonderful place to be from and to celebrate. We just got to get that out there and change the perspective. Listening to that music is sort of the perfect thing yeah. after, after what you just said, actually. Um, yeah, I have found in my travels that, um, that, you know, Mississippians hang pretty good when they're competing out no there. No doubt, no doubt. But we all, we all carry a burden with us. Yeah. You know, there's there's this first impression that people have, and you've got to break that first impression. There's so a responsibility there for is. us to convey that. There really is. Um, we're going to continue this part of the conversation when we come back from the break. This is uh, Mayor Billy Hughes, and uh, he's the, the mayor of the city of Gulfport. And we'll, we'll be talking a little bit more about One Coast. And I really want to know... What were the inspirations for you as you as you grew up in your life? We'll be back after this. Some break. I can talk about, some I probably shouldn't mention. <laughs> Subscribe for free to the Coast View Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. 
I love uh, the graphic that Cal put up. He says, it says, when is a good time to talk about Gulfport's future? <laughs> every moment of every day, huh? I would think so. That was our, that was kind of our slogan going into it. Uh, you know, that's one of the dividends that came off of uh, the, the best thing that never happened um, with having the perspective, making the contacts, educating people about the coast and people from the coast and said that, you know, we can lead as well as anybody and, and play a role. But Gulfport's future, um, you know, y'all were always standing on the shoulders of giants. Yeah. So the mayors that that, that um, came before me, George Slogel, Brent War, uh, Leroy Urie, uh, you know, short, uh, just you go back. Yeah. Meadows, um, back you know, all the way back. We've been very fortunate to have good leadership through the years. But I felt like we were at a launching pad and a crossroads. And with the connections that I had at the Capitol and at the federal level, thinking, what can we leverage here? So we did really a, a needs analysis and assessment of where we, our strengths were, where we were missing some opportunity. And coastwide, we knew that this was a great place for adults to come. Mm-hmm. Plenty to do. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but there, there we were, while this is a good place for families, we needed some attractions and activities. And so I talked to Bryant, Governor Bryant, and said, it's time for us to have an aquarium. Mm-hmm. And so I really think that's going to fill a void and round out some of that and projects like this we're counting on them to be stimulus uh to to really get things going we use the term and you've used it earlier transformational we're looking for projects that have a legacy impact generational impact but they are transformational from a quality of life standpoint from an economic standpoint and when you can check more than one box it is really remarkable Mm -hmm. and and i think you know there's more excitement about that one project statewide than any other it's it's the largest p4 i think in mississippi's history um you know public private philanthropic partnership yeah so it is um it's, it's been an exercise but you talk about burdens and responsibility and 24 7 stuff this uh this mayor's job and i put in one of those articles somebody said it's the best and worst job in america and my response was well it depends on what city you get to serve so in my mm-hmm. opinion it's the best job in america but lord it's non-stop it does not end and if i go to the grocery store i better book an hour because you know everybody wants to be in your ear and that's okay we're supposed to be accessible and talk to folks, um, and, and so it's uh, it's Gulfport's a fun place to be. So, so Billy, one of the one of the things after <clears throat> Katrina, we had the opportunity to work with Andreas Juani very closely with him. And one of the observations he made when he came down Highway 90 for the first time, excuse me, down 49 and hit Highway 90 for the first time, and he looked south. And of course, I mean, obviously, a lot of devastation, et cetera. He saw that there was this gem there. That you know that it was the beginning of his realization that there was something incredibly special here. That 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 intersection was sort of the gateway to unbelievable opportunity here along the coast. Not beauty and tourism and you know commerce and all these things. And now you're sitting as the mayor of Gulfport and you get this opportunity to kind of realize those dreams. We're going to come back to that in a second. What I want you to do is just tell me what it was like growing up in Gulfport and what were the big influences on you in your life? Well, it's, it's interesting. Some of it's looking back, some of it's, you know, right in the moment. But, um, you know, my dad was one of those examples that uh, when he graduated from Southern Miss, there wasn't a lot of opportunity from a jobs perspective you know, in South Mississippi or in Mississippi. So he took a job in Louisiana in the oil field supply business and he loved it. Uh, his brother, uh, Charlie, was I uh, went to work in Dallas for Neiman Marcus. And um, a few years passed, and they got the itch, and they said they really wanted to come back home. You were actually born in Louisiana. I was born in New Iberia. Yeah. And, and so he took a job. They weren't, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. Uh, he was, he was where he started out in Morgan City, then to New Iberia, then to Jennings, and then to 
Then we moved um, uh, to to Texas, and at that point, he and Charlie decided, let's go back home and continue to raise our kids there. So two weeks before Camille hit, um, we were back, and we, we uh, landed in Northwood Hills, which was just being developed. So, man, that was the country then. Yeah. Uh, it was just a great pine savanna. That was a great place as a kid to grow up because there were woods and pitcher plants and wetlands and savannas to go and just explore all day long. But they opened Hughes Brothers Department Store. And so uh, I, I joked that, you know, if uh, they had enforced the child labor laws back then, Dad and Charlie would still be in jail because they made sure that uh, Charlie and I and Michael, to a degree, were at that store helping out. And so the work ethic was instilled in us at an early level, not just at home. You know, attention to detail, whether it's just mowing the lawn. I, I, you missed a spot. Get out yeah. there and go do it again. I didn't miss that spot. But anyway, <laughs> you know, you work a lot of things out behind the lawnmower. And your dad's uh, listening. Oops. He said, yes, oh, you did. Gosh, yes, you did. Yes, yeah. And so <laughs> – but they had us working at that store. We had to show up in the morning before anybody did. We had to do all the janitorial. We had to, you know, clean the bathrooms, vacuum the floors. Put the, Then when we were done with that, we had to uh, receive the stock in the back room. We had to put all the, you know, put, put the tags on them and everything. Then we had to change clothes and come out on the floor and help with sales. And so, and we were very young and we came up through it like that in the retail business. So what was instilled in us is you do what it takes as long as it takes to get the job done and you do it well. Yeah. Um, and, and so that, that was uh, a foundation that dad and even mom instilled in us uh, to a great degree. Mom made sure that we were on our studies and, you know, before we went out and played when we had that opportunity. So we were, I was very fortunate to have some great brothers and be great, be raised by a set of parents that were very different. Mom's creative. Dad's got a business, good business head, but they were very loving. And, and again, that was conveyed in a different way, but in uh, the sense of humor from both of them. You know, you you can get through a lot if you've got the right perspective, but humor is a huge part of it. Uh, and, and, and finding, you know, funny things, sometimes it's irreverent, but uh, at the same time, that gets you through and really adds that spice to life. And, so and, I was very fortunate. And your dad taught you a, um, a significant sense of civic responsibility, didn't he? Without a doubt. There was an expectation coming up that you leave things better than you found them. You, If you're going to join... Don't join for a, a, a box on your resume or just to have something to list. You're going to get in, and you're going to make a difference and engage with people, or, or you just don't need to do it because you're wasting other people's time. So he was president. He was, he was an inspiration for me in a lot of respects as far as understanding the need to get involved, play a leadership role. He was president of the Gulfport JCs way back when uh, and ends up, you know, when I'm in my professional life, you know, after college starting, I joined the JCs and ended up following his footsteps there too. And uh, for, for those out there, if you've never read the J.C. Creed, it is a fundamental document that tells you what is important in life. You know, the, um, you know talks about humanity and mm-hmm. you know, economics, opportunity, but uh, it really gets to the soul of what I think America is about. So check out the J.C. Creed. It's, it's a neat document. Mm-hmm. So you're not the first Hughes to serve as, nah. uh, in public life. Tell me about that. Well, the first mayor of Gulfport was um, Finley B. Hughes, and uh, he served for, for uh, just a short period of time because when Teddy Roosevelt came through with the Rough Riders to go, go fight the Spanish and American War, he said, I'll see you later. I'm gone. So, um, he, uh, But he kind of set the tone, and, and so we've had a legacy of being involved in the community in different, different forms and fashions, and uh, we've just been blessed to be part of this community since its founding. So we've hit on it all throughout this conversation, but... What is it that excites you most about being mayor? <laughs> That's a great question. I, I think it's the people that I get to serve with and those that I get to serve. But if I, if I did anything right coming into office a few years back, was assembling a remarkable team. 
uh, and letting them be the professionals that you expect them to be. You know, you, you wear yourself down if you try to micromanage everything. And those of us who are so focused, we tend to want to make sure we got our hands in everything. But letting go and delegating and, ex- and, and but charting the expectations and understanding what is possible. That's the thing. There's so many folks that want to that, that expect perfection at every turn. We're human. We're not perfect, and our and our systems are not perfect. But we're working within them. If we strive for perfection, we're going to reach greatness, mm-hmm. and we're going to make a difference and an impact. So I think seeing our directors in particular take the bull by the horns and and do the things that are difficult, do some of the things that are fun, but hopefully enjoying the job in the environment we create, where businesses want to come and locate here. We. We, we kind of picked up an, an unofficial um, motto that Gulfport is open for business and geared for a good time. Mm-hmm. So you take that, that mentality and get it to infect everybody, then it starts to get into the larger community. So you have partners like the airport with Clay Williams and his board. Um, Joe Spragans is one of the uh, my appointees to that board, but Joe with the Department of Marine Resources, um, Jonathan Daniels at the port, remarkable transformation they've done there. You know, I worked as a longshoreman down there. That's another learning <laughs> experience. You know, being on that bag line uh, with with folks, and um, you got to hump it. I, I realized then so much of it's mind over matter because I wasn't one of the biggest guys down there, but I could outlast most of them mm-hmm. in doing some of this. So, so what you put your mind to. And I think you can relate to that as well from the physicality part of it, but you're using your mind in a lot of respects too. But that port is a state-of-the-art port. So having the benefit of working with folks like those guys uh, and seeing that they have their own vision and how they want to grow and, and make an impact through their work is remarkable. Fofo, is uh, you know he's been a breath of fresh air, but uh, there's not a monopoly of good mayors uh, on, on just in a few cities. We are blessed with good leadership across the coast who understand the larger picture. So uh, I think that we're maybe best still on that launch pad. As much as we're doing today, uh, I think what we can achieve as a community is limitless. So, Billy, as I said at the beginning, as we go into this break, I'll just kind of summarize this point, that because of your legislative experience, your experience as mayor, your experience as a community leader, your experience as a business leader, you come into the mayor's role with a burden. You, you, you've, you understand what, how competitive we need to be as a region. You understand the importance of Gulfport doing its fair share in that regard. But the way to sort of share the burden is to have people around you who right, share yeah. that vision. And, uh, and so you're not asking them to manage the status quo. There's expectations in all of them to help, help bring Gulfport to the next level. And I, and I know that. I see that in everything that I've read, everything I've studied about you. Um, when we come back, I want to talk, continue the conversation about mayor, and then we'll close with um, you know one more discussion about One Coast and what thoughts we want to leave people with. Uh, this is Billy Hughes, the mayor of the city of Gulfport. We'll be back after this break. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. It's a great time to be on the coast, and we love talking about it. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I'm with Mayor Billy Hughes from the city of Gulfport. And again, Kyle is a great producer. So we're talking about the port. He shows an aerial view of the port. You talk about the J.C. Creed, and we're now looking at the J.C. Creed. 
What a what a special thing that says. You know, the, the, the opening line of that creed is, uh, faith in God gives meaning and purpose to human life. And yeah. then you go from there. So it's, it's really a great document. So I thank Kyle, Kyle for putting that up. So, um, Billy, so what else excites you about being mayor? You know, successful places don't happen by accident. And being the second largest city in the state, it's uh, you know, we feel a responsibility to make sure we're leading effectively, correct, correctly. But the, the excitement component comes with opportunity. Uh, the potential that's out there. So projects are very easily identifiable. It's the larger quality of life, making sure our community is rounded out, that people come here, they feel it as much as they get it intrinsically. Um, but the blue economy that we've been talking about, what is happening on that port with Monty Graham and the University of Southern Mississippi, the research they're doing has captured the attention of the nation. Uh, on There are two great uh, American research institutions, Woods Hole, um, on the on the east coast and scripts on the west coast we don't never had anything on the gulf and i believe this can be the next great institution for research and development by the way r&d and politics is rip off and duplicate so <laughs> you know this one coast thing is not it's not original to me it's just we've we've congealed it but back to the blue economy i think that's the next step and it's an example of what can happen because we have always seeking uh, ways to create and bring in higher paying jobs, which elevates the game for everybody. Folks know that people live here who make a lot of money or a disposable income. They're going to come and set up shop and put their businesses here, whether it's a chain, whether it's a local investor. So, again, this, there's a snowball effect here that we think is coming. But with the vision that the port and the commissioners there have, have embraced to try to help um, create the spark and Put the buildings out there for the research components. Most of the research is going to be these underwater drones to map the seafloor and the seabed, and and um, you know some of it's the outgrowth of a tragedy. You know the the BP oil spill. So we've always, whether it's a hurricane, a natural disaster, a man-made disaster, we've always found a means to pull ourselves up and make the most of it and be transformative and make our community better than it was, even though it is a decades-long process. It's tedious, and you've got to have the long view. Billy, uh, Chavis Wetman and I flew up to uh, um, North Carolina or South Carolina. I think it was North Carolina, actually, to meet with Michael Gallus about 15 years ago, major planner. And he was looking at this big map, and he said, man, you guys have a port, and you have a city located next to the port, and you've got rail systems, and you've got a what an incredible, I mean, you got all the dimensions right here. And then when you think about the creative economy, Engineers, architects, designers, media, graphic designers, all the think components of the, the creative uh, economy, that they want to live, work, and play in the same area. They don't, they don't want to go live out in, in the rural areas and come back. Gulfport's in a great position to take advantage of that, aren't they? Without a doubt. a matter of fact, um, distance learning or distance work is is coming not just it's in vogue it, it makes a lot of sense on the on the west coast they have a debilitating problem with property values and people can't afford to live near where they work so they're commuting hours not one but sometimes two and three hours a day they're they're you know getting dressed and showering on the fly it's just it's it's not the most optimal situation for them from a from a quality or standard of life you know maybe california dreaming but the fact of the matter is this is a no gridlock zone in South Mississippi. We don't have to deal with traffic jams, that sort of connection, uh, congestion. Um, and so all the things we talk about that I had no idea a moment of how yeah. wonderful things are, there are opportunities here. And through this blue economy, um, they're looking at creating a, uh, a platform uh, where people can come and work remotely uh, on computers or whatnot. It's called a workplace. Right. And um, do it here. Tulsa, I believe, uh, is a city that has done that. Tulsa 360 is what they call it. And they reach out and say, look, do you hate the commute? Mm -hmm. 
we got what you're looking for Austin here. Austin has done it too. You know, and so that is a smart thing to do. So that's one of those things that we've got to be thinking differently, maybe outside the box, and, and certainly um, be be aggressive about that. So I believe that type of appeal, that type of attraction is coming forth, but it goes back to telling our story. And um, we've got to let folks know that there's a comfort level because when people move here, the wives make the decision. <laughs> they have to know that the kids are going to have some stability, going to be well-educated, and people do drive-by assessments in our community. We don't even know it before they get here. Yeah. The good news is that site selectors who go across the nation as far as where these folks shall go or who they can recommend, they're starting to look at South Mississippi, and then they've never done that before. And I'll tell you, you know, Google just made a ma- major announcement in Amazon for a new campus. We didn't get it. But we got looked at. Yeah. We made the cut, I'm told, yeah. in the in the in the in the top five. That is saying something about how we've grown and where we are as a community. So while we didn't get it, people know about us and they're learning and we're not America's best kept secret so, anymore. So you see mixed use as a really big part of the overall puzzle going forward. It has to be. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the diversity of economy, if we put all our eggs in one basket, if things go south in that in that particular sector, We've got a major challenge. So the more diversification we have, the better off we're going to be. So we're coming down to the end, Billy. Um, I just want to, first of all, say thank you for um, for your leadership, you know, you for, for being willing to bear the burden of all your experience. You could have, you know, you could just be a private businessman just enjoying life, writing songs. I don't know about that. Doing music. Um, well, that'd be fun. And I know that would be. Grow my hair long. What's, what's, <laughs> what's left of it? But you're, uh, you, you chose public service, and, um, and I, I really think that this conversation will go a long way toward helping under, people understand you better, and I've really enjoyed it. So thank you very much, buddy. I appreciate you spreading the word. This is good, important stuff, and, and we all need to, uh, as citizens of this Gulf Coast, tell our story and making sure that we're positive about it, letting folks know how wonderful it is here uh, and break down those stereotypes so when the next business wants to come, they're asking us yes, and yes. looking to find a place. But this is, this is the only place in America in the world that people should want to be. We will see you tomorrow. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.